Welcome to the Equipers Church Budapest podcast. We hope today's message will encourage and inspire you. For more information, check equiperschurch.au. Yeah, welcome to church. It's good to see you. And last week, I, I listened to the sermon from last week. How many were here last week? I just want to see your hands for a minute. It was, wasn't that a great sermon? And I'm not going to start by eating baked beans. Uh, I was tempted to bring chocolate up or something. Uh, so last week, the, the, the uh, pastor that was preaching had a tin of what looked like dog food. And then he started eating it, right? I wasn't here, but I listened. And I'm thinking, what is he doing? And I don't have the benefit of seeing what he's doing. And then I, I realize he's, he's eating baked beans and he takes the label off. And it was all about being labeled wrong and how we need to get rid of the labels that we have put on ourselves and others have put on us and, and what God wants to put on us. Yeah, so it was really good. I really enjoyed it. And I hope those of you who heard that and received that, I've taken time with the Holy Spirit to actually do that, identify the labels and let God replace them. And then I listened to Pastor Miro and then I got all worked up because I was thinking, I'm, I'm preaching the same texts. And then I, I was like, Lord, you downloaded this sermon to me, so here I go. But it's nothing new. And I felt the Lord just say, yeah, but you know, whenever I start out with verily, verily, amen, amen, it's because I want this to be, be given to people. I want this to be received as truth. This is really important. And I was reading up about amen, amen, and uh, apparently even today, if, if you start something with amen, amen, Jewish people's ears will tingle, they say because they're ready for whatever is really important. And this is not my message. This is the Holy Spirit's message to us today. And I just want to thank him for what he's going to say today. Pay attention. And I want to start with a story. Oh, this is so cool. And a little plug for e-groups. Uh, I run two e-groups, and uh, in one of them, one of my friends, and I'm just looking to see if she came tonight. I don't think she did, um, but her, her name's Anna. And we found out some months ago that Anna had a brain tumor. And so we were praying and praying. And I, I, I don't quite know how I was praying. I, I wanted God to heal her. I knew he could. I sh wasn't sure he would. Do you know what I'm saying? Do you ever pray like that? And sure enough, uh, just two weeks ago, she sent this to the group. She said, I just want to share my testimony. I got my results back. I've been on the medication for three to four months. And God is faithful to do all that he has promised us. <laughs> my brain tumor has shrunk by 60% in volume. Yes. And also significantly in its overall size. Oh, she says, I thank my sovereign Lord and Savior who through Christ Jesus has already secured my victory and breakthrough. Thank you for the prayers. The doctor himself is astonished by the results. He said that at most in six months, not three, um, I could expect a 10% reduction at most. If the tumor is a functioning tumor, uh, I would have to go for surgery. But God does not conform to the ways of this world. We might be in the world, but we are not of the world. And he has already overcome these worldly things. Can you say amen to that? 
thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing for Anna. And, and, and you know, little faith becomes bigger as we begin to see God at work. And so it's, it's made us all really excited in our group what God is doing. And I, I want us to look at um, a passage in the scripture in Mark 9. But I, the title is, Your Impossible is God's Possible. That's the, the series that we're in, and I want to look at this story, but I, I want you to just watch this posture for a moment. I just felt the, the Lord said to me, I want people to go from being overwhelmed by their impossibilities to overwhelmed by my possibilities. I want us to go from this place of little faith that might be struggling to this place of just overwhelmed with his possibilities. That's what we want for tonight in our hearts. Are you ready? (laughs) Are you ready to receive that and to move from that? (laughs) Oh, this is quite the story. Jesus has just come down from a mountain. He was in a mount, on a mountain with Peter, James, and John. And on that mountain, God the Father unveiled Jesus' glory so that Peter, James, and John could see him. And it had been amazing. And they'd been praying and probably fasting up there. It was crazy. They were having this wonderful time. And Peter and I relate to Peter a lot, you know. And, and he said, oh, Jesus, let's just stay up here. This is great. You, you and me, you know, you and us. And Jesus says, no, we got to go back. we got to go back down. The kingdom of God is near. we got to go down and do our work. And so they go down and they find the other disciples arguing with the teachers of the law. And they think, what's going on, right? He comes down and sees a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. And as soon as all the people saw Jesus, I love this, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. We think of overwhelmed as a negative thing, but they were overwhelmed with wonder. They saw Jesus. That's the one they'd come to see, but he was up a mountain. Now he was here. It was so exciting. What are you arguing with them about, he asked the disciples. And they said, well, they didn't yet, sorry. I get ahead of myself in this story. A man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you, I like you to see that, my son, I brought my son to you, and he is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground, he foams at the mouth, he gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. And I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. And Jesus turns and gives his disciples the most withering rebuke. I would have just shrunk and maybe left. I, you know, I would have, yeah. And he says, you unbelieving generation. And I believe he said it with sorrow. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. Bring the boy to me. And they brought him. And when the spirit that was in the boy saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion and he fell to the ground and rolled around foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? I just want to stop for a minute and say, scripture plays like a movie in my head. I don't know if it does that for you. But I can just see Jesus talking to his disciples, grieved at that they couldn't, cast this demon out, and then he turns his attention to the father. The father has brought 
the boy to him. He was seeking him. Couldn't find him. Now he has him. And he turns his gaze to him. And I can just imagine him, uh, because now the boy's been thrown on the ground, that the father is reaching to help his son. And I can just see Jesus bending down and going, how long has it been like this? Tell me your story. I want to hear from you. What's going on? And we just sang that wonderful song. Meet me here. I leave space for you, God, and I believe you're going to meet me here. And the Bible says that when we draw near to God, he draws near to us. And here's this father that said, I need to get to Jesus. I need to get to the front of the line here. And and he gets there, and Jesus just stops for a moment and says, this has been hard, hasn't it? This has been tough. I see you. I know what's been going on here. Tell me your your side of this story. And the father gets to say, from childhood he's been like this. So this is a teenager. It's been going on for a long time. It has thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Just stop there for a minute. He says, if you can do anything. That's sometimes like my prayers. Is that like yours? If you can do anything. I've heard you can, but if you will. (laughs) Help us, take pity on us, do something here. And then Jesus plays his words back to him. He says, if you can? Excuse me? If? If I can? No, no, no. He says, everything is possible here to him who believes. If you match your faith with what I can do, oh, we can do anything here. And then the the father immediately recognizes, he says, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. This is an incredible confession. And it's a prayer. And he's in front of the teachers of the law. And he's in front of the disciples. And he's admitting, you know, I do have faith. But help me overcome the rest of it that's, that's listening to the doubt that's going on around this boy. And the people that have said to me, it's no good. Don't do anything. It's not going to happen. Don't worry. Just get used to it. Figure out how to cope. And, but I'm here. I'm here with you. And I'm confessing I don't have all the faith that I think I need. And Jesus... Jesus just turns to him and and sees him where he is. And then he sees a crowd running to see what's going on. And I I love this about Jesus. He is not in for the spectacular. He is there for the supernatural. And there's a difference. It's not going to be a show. He's not there just to do a miracle, have everybody show up, and have a big thing happen here. He is meeting this father in the desperate place of his need, and he wants to minister to this boy, and he makes it personal. And he makes it intimate with this boy. He says, we don't need the crowd for this, but watch what's going to happen. Watch this space. And he turns to the impure spirit, it says, and he names him. You deaf and mute 
spirit, he said. I command you come out of him and never enter him again. So let's just pause there for a minute. You see, the argument that's probably been going on between the teachers of the law and the disciples is they didn't know the name of the spirit. That happens when you're, you're involved with demon possession and casting out spirits that are crazy. You get the spirit to say their name and then you proclaim the name of Jesus over them. And the power of the name of Jesus defeats their name and they go. That's, that was part of how the teachers of the law would even have been saying to the disciples, you've got, to, you've got to get him to speak his name. What are you doing? And they would have been arguing and the disciples would have been probably trying to do that. What is your name? I'm going to cast you out. And, and they're not getting it. This spirit is deaf and mute. He's not going to talk. And he's made the boy deaf and mute. He's not going to talk and say, by the way, it's a deaf and mute spirit. He's not going to do that. And so the disciples are stuck. They don't know what to do. You know, the formula is not working. I don't know if you've had that in your life. You know the formula. You know it works and it's not working. And you're like, what have I done wrong? And Jesus says, I command you to come out. I've named you. You're a deaf and dumb spirit. You're coming out of him. And the spirit shrieked and convulsed him violently and came out. And the boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead, he's dead, he's dead. And you can just imagine the father standing there thinking, he's dead, he's dead, he's dead, he's not dead, he's not dead. <laughs> and then Jesus reaches down and he took him by the hand and he lifts him to his feet and he stands up in his own strength, right? And in the power of the Son of God. And it says, Jesus went indoors and his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? Like, you know, we were doing what we do. We've cast demons out. We were doing what we've seen you do. And he just said simply, well, this kind, it can only come out by prayer. Other translations say prayer and fasting. And Jesus was just on the mountain praying. Jesus was always prayed up. He was always in a space to cast out demons and destroy things that were destroying his children that he loves. Always, always. But sometimes we, we follow a formula instead of being in a place of prayer. And Jesus just teaches his disciples something in all of this. But what I want to focus on tonight, I want to look at what's happened in our text. I want to point out the Father came to look for Jesus. And we have to look for God. We have to seek God. Hebrews 11.6 reads like this. It says that all things are possible to those that believe, to those that come to him, know that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You, when you come to Jesus, you have to believe that he is who he says he is and he's supernatural. He's supernatural. And so this man comes and he brings his boy and he knows that whatever happens, God is going to reward him for coming and believing that he was who he said he was. And then he comes and he wants God's perspective on this. I'm coming to you. I need a different perspective. I've been told this is impossible. I've been told this can't happen and my boy can't speak and we can't do the normal stuff here. What's your perspective? That's what we come in prayer for, isn't it? God, what do you think? What do you think? Because I'm going to believe what you say. I'm going to act on what you say. 
And then he admits his unbelief. <laughs> he was honest. He was vulnerable. He said to God, actually, I'm struggling with my belief. <laughs> and God, you know, we mustn't belittle little faith because it's faith. And God says, I can meet you here. Because even if you have the faith as small as a mustard seed, and that was the smallest seed possible, he said, even if you've got that much, you can move a mountain. And if you, if you, you bring that to our relationship, I can grow that. I can move things. I can move in the supernatural. Because you see, we don't declare to God what he must do. We come and know that he exists, that he's a rewarder of those who seek him, and we receive from him because he's supernatural. We come humbly and we submit to his supernatural possibilities. You haven't even thought of what he's thought of. Right? And so we come for his perspective, and we believe that he's supernatural, that he speaks supernatural. That's his language. That he acts supernatural. That's his deeds. That he literally is, he, he, if his DNA is supernatural. He cannot do anything that's just natural. When he was on earth, he ate and he did all that stuff. But he is the supernatural God who can do anything. Do you believe that tonight? Yes. And then the Father. Yes, amen. <laughs> Give it up for Jesus, right? <laughs> He can do anything, anything, anything more than you can possibly dream of. And his impossibles are not overwhelming him. Your impossibles, he wants to bring you into this place of possibles and be overwhelmed with wonder. And the father receives freedom for his son. He gets him back up to life again. And I would love to see how they walked away from there. I would love to see what happened? You know, I imagine they didn't crawl away like, oh my goodness. I imagine they ran. I imagine they just were so excited. And I'm sure people ran after them. Tell me what happened. Some, some interview TV producer was there, right? Going, would you speak for the cameras? No, no, no. So what are the timeless truths here? How do we go from thinking impossible to thinking possible? How do we do that? I think, I think there's a path here. First, we seek God. We acknowledge we need him. Yeah? We acknowledge we need Jesus. We come to him and him alone. I love that, that song that we were singing, that God, you have our attention, you and you alone. Kind of like that, right? Not exactly the words. Uh, and then we need to bring our impossibles to him. I don't know what your boy looks like. I've got two boys I bring to Jesus. But your boy might be different. Your boy might be a drug addiction. Your, your boy might be fear. Your boy might be anxiety. Your boy might, might be unsaved loved ones who haven't come back to him yet. Your boy, I don't know, what is your impossible? Let the Lord reveal it to you tonight, what you're dealing with, what you're struggling with, what you have a hard time believing for. And then we have to bring our faith to him, right, and say, God, this is all I got. This is what I've got. And you can do anything. And then he asks us to join him. Bring that. Bring what you got to my possible. And then there is freedom in the name of Jesus to all who believe. That's what I say. Let's dig into each one of, the, uh, of these. That's what I see. Admit you need to seek God. 
Bring your impossibles. Admit your unbelief. Submit to his possibles and receive your freedom. Tonight, you can receive freedom because Jesus is not up a mountain tonight. He's here. He's here. But one thing that I think the Spirit of God just really drew drew my attention to was this whole that we have to seek him. Not powerful Christians. So, I'm one of those who wanted Helen Monk to pray for me recently. And I, I, I was very privileged she prayed for over me. But I'm not supposed to trust in Helen. I'm not coming to Helen. I'm coming to God, right? And, and sometimes I think people come to service and, and they might be disappointed if Pastor Miro's not here because they want Miro to pray for them. Or Marty. Or Toby or Kika. But if they can't get to some of these, or David, you know, if they can't get to some of the, the upfront people, it's like, well, you know, I guess I'll let you. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? And we have faith in them and their prayer instead of God. We're looking for them. And I, it's not wrong to pray with each other, and it's amazing. We need to seek out and pray with people who believe. You know what I'm saying here, don't you? Well, you? So I know some of you don't know this name, but her name was Catherine Kuhlman, and she was an amazing minister in the States from the ninth. Have you heard of her? Oh, yes, there you go. Yes, and so she ministered. She's dead now, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> sorry about that, yeah. <laughs> she was ministering from the 1940s to 1976, and I just happened to know that because I looked it up earlier today. And the point is that in 1973, um, I had been diagnosed earlier, my, when I was 11, with rheumatoid arthritis, and it was really affecting this one knee. And so at my boarding school in Kenya, I could not walk up the hill to go to my science class, and you would think I would be happy about that. But actually, in your senior year, you really need to keep your sciences. It changes how you get accepted into other universities. So I was really worried about this, and so I was praying and praying that my knee would get healed, and it would get healed, and it never did. So this guy that I was hanging out with, so let me explain, Stuart. So Stuart was my, one of my best friend's boyfriends, but she was away that semester, <laughs> so Stuart and I were hanging out a lot, and, uh, but he wasn't my boyfriend-boyfriend, if you know what I'm saying. Are you with me? He was like a really good friend, and I really liked him, and he really liked me, but it was not going to go any further because Kathy was coming back. So I was honest and honorable. <laughs> however, however, however. So we must have got talking one day about, you know, well, what are you going to do about this knee, and the, both knees now are swollen walking around these hills. So we decided I should write to Catherine Coleman. So I did. I wrote to Catherine Kuhlman. Hundreds of thousands of people were healed under her ministry. I bet I forgot to tell you that. She had a healing ministry. It was crazy. And so I wrote to her from Africa. Here I am, 15. And she answered. Now, I didn't put her, her letter on my knee and hope that it worked. You know what I'm saying? I thought she might tell me that, though. I thought she might say, I prayed for you. Take this letter. Put it on your knees. Receive your healing. She never did that. She just said, now, Lynn, this is not how it works. God is in Africa. He's with you. And why don't you just get your boyfriend to put his hand on your knee and pray? 
And I'm like, I am not letting Stuart touch my knee. <laughs> Kathy will never forgive me for one thing. And he won't be thinking about Jesus, so this is not going to work. <laughs> we have to come to Jesus with this. And I don't remember what we did or didn't do, but my niece never did get healed. And I used to blame Catherine Kuhlman for a long time. If only she had prayed for me and anointed this thing with oil or done something, you know, like Peter did, handkerchief, sent it back. But she didn't. She made a very important point in my life. Don't trust in me. Don't trust in the channel. Come to God. And by the way, he's there. It's not about stardom. It's not about finding the biggest prophet, apostle, whatever. It's not about that. We are to come to God himself, wherever and whenever, and he promises to meet us there. If we are hungry, he will meet us. Bring your impossibles to God. I don't know what your impossibles are, but look at Mary when she was suddenly presented with an impossible in Scripture. <laughs> She's like all excited. An angel is telling me I'm going to be the Messiah, the Messiah's mother, rather. And every Jewish girl apparently wanted to be the mother of Messiah. They all prayed they would have a baby and that baby would become. But Mary gets the news that she's going to have a baby before she marries Joseph. And... and this baby is going to be the result of, you know, the over the supernatural God overshadowing her, and this thing that would be put in her womb would be the Holy One of, of God. This Messiah was not just going to be a baby that became Messiah. Messiah was God who was going to become a baby. It was a whole different thing. And, and so she, she starts out, he says, you know, you're going to have a baby, and she goes, oh, excuse me, excuse me. Um, how can this be? I, I like... I'm a virgin. You know, I love it that they record that for us. I love it that we hear that Mary's doubt immediately surfaced and her reason said, this is not possible. This is my impossible. <laughs> she didn't laugh. Sarah laughed. She was 99 and they said, you're going to have a baby. She laughed. I would laugh. In fact, no, I wouldn't laugh. I would cry if I found out at 99 I was going to have a baby. No, no. So, the thing is that this was impossible to Mary. And she goes, <laughs> excuse me, how can this be? And then the angel explains it. And she immediately goes from impossible to, oh, it's possible, let it be. From how can this be to let it be in like one verse in scripture. <laughs> and, and I'm so glad we see that transition from my reason and my reality to God's revelation and receiving it. And receiving freedom to go through with what was going to be a scandalous thing. What are your impossibles? Ooh. My sister was a missionary kid like me, born and raised in Africa, but went away from God for 25 years. That's a long, how many of you are under 25? You know what I'm saying? That's a long time. And I prayed for her, and I prayed for her, and we actually, her and her friends and I, we decided it's not possible for God. Her conscience is here. This is not going to happen. You know, what are we going to do? And 
And it was my birthday. She calls and she says, I have a birthday present for you. And I'm like, I know, thank you so much. The roses arrived. That's really nice of you. And I wasn't allowed to say prayer, faith, God, or Jesus for 25 years. So I'm watching my words. And she says, oh, no, 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 not the roses. I have a real birthday present for you. She says, I gave my heart to the Lord this morning in church. And I'm like, what? Now, I've prayed, are you with me? I've prayed for 25 years. I've asked God to do this. And when he does it, I'm like, what? I said, you went to church? She tells me the story. You're a Christian? Again? She says, Lynn, for a Pentecostal preacher, I expected praise the Lord. Amen. (laughs) Yeah, I should have been like, yay, God, you finally did it. And I was like, what? That's impossible. I was still back there like, really, God? And I'm having this argument with God, like, how did you do that? (laughs) And she just woke up that morning and she realized, God, this family can't do life without God. Put them all in the car, said we're going for breakfast and kind of treated, deceived them and said, sorry, actually I'm locking the doors, we're going to church before breakfast. And they went to church and her and her husband gave their hearts to the Lord. Unbelievable, they got slain in the spirit, it was like crazy stuff. Yes, 25 years. And my nephew, he was on the streets as a drug addict, very significant alcoholic, such a sad case from when he was 12, street kid. And I prayed for him, I don't even remember how many years it was, many, over a decade, long years. And one day I find out, he was in a grocery store. (laughs) He was in a grocery store and a Christian song came on and he dropped to his knees and wept and gave his heart to God and then called my cousin and said, I gotta go, I gotta come for Sunday lunch and by the way, this time I'll actually go to church before we have lunch. She's like, what? <laughs> Dave, is this David? Can you put David on the phone? And then David shows up at church. She thought, well, let's just see if this happens. And he comes, he comes to church. And before they could finish the message, he's running down the aisle to declare that he had given his heart to the Lord in a grocery store. And he's never turned back. He had a long journey ahead of him, but he's never turned back. So I don't know what your impossible is. I don't know what you're praying for. I don't know if you've had past trauma and it's holding you back. It's paralyzing you. I don't know if you've had, if you're dealing with incredible anxiety. Paralyzes us, doesn't it? These impossibles paralyze us. I don't know if you're dealing with fear for something. Um, this... Uh, revival that's been happening in Asbury College in the States. It's, and Pastor Miro talked about it a few weeks, two weeks ago. It's, it, that, that revival went on for 14, well, an outpouring went on for 14 days. 100,000 people showed up in a little town of 5,000. And finally, the town said, we can't do this anymore. And the college said, we've really got exams. We've got to get on with stuff. But, but this thing has been spreading to different universities. And in Oral Roberts University, a guy stood up to speak and he asked them he said listen the the call the the thing that's happening right now as air is becoming wind is 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 this thing of repentance and confession and holiness how many of you need to repent this morning 
And these are college students repenting in front of each other, hundreds of them there that day. I want to repent of lust. I want to repent of being addicted to porn. I want to repent of being addicted to fear. Addicted to fear. And anxiety. I want to repent of these things. This is what's holding me back. And next thing you know, they're all on their feet and just crying out to God and repenting and confessing where their faith was not what it needed to be. And God begins healing people, freeing them. When we confess and name things, we can be freed. Amen? (laughs) He is not small, and we have made him small in our eyes. He says, I can do anything. Bring whatever you've got when it comes to faith to me, and I can do anything. I will speak my language, and it is supernatural. With God, there's a new way to do human. To do human, <laughs> It's marked by being honest. It's marked by being authentic. It's marked by being vulnerable. It's marked by saying, I believe, help my unbelief. This is where I got. This is where I am. And I love this last one. But God, but God, but God. <laughs> uh, the Psalms always start with, it's crazy, it's horrible, I'm, I'm in fear, I'm being, uh, my enemies are coming, it's terrible, God, dash them against stones, do something about them and declaring what God must do. And then all of a sudden, it almost sounds like David's um, schizophrenic, isn't it? He just suddenly goes, but you, O Lord. Have you seen that in the Psalms? It's like, but you, O Lord. You have done this, and you've done this, and you've done this. And he begins to receive and remember. And then he says, search my heart, oh Lord. How am I complaining about them? Search my heart, search my heart. And the but Jesus, but God, changes his perspective. And he refocuses, and then he submits, and he receives God's comfort, God's peace, whatever he needed in that moment. The psalm seems to end like, He's, he's breathing out again now and said, <gasps> like, <sighs> we've been there. And this last story I want us to look at as we um, bring this to a close is the story of Gideon. And if you've not read this story, heard this story recently, you just need to be aware of what happens with Gideon. So what's happening in the country is that the Israelites are being punished by God and the Midianites are coming and destroying the Israelites. They were cruel. They were just awful. And so people were hiding in caves and trying to avoid the Midianites. And so Gideon, as you'll see in the verse, he is threshing wheat underneath a wine press. He's, he's in a hole where you should really just go in and trample on grapes and make wine. But he's down there threshing wheat to, be avoid, to avoid being seen by the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now, did you think he was going to call him that? No, he's he's hiding. He's terrified. He doesn't want to go, he doesn't want to even stand up in the wine press. And, And the Lord, well, the angel of the Lord, it says, shows up and says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. New label. New label. And Gideon, of course, says, "Uh, pardon me, Lord, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. He's just repeating the current news, right? 
Here's the current news. By the way, have you not heard? This is what's happening here. And have you noticed this change to the Lord? Not the angel of the Lord. This is a theophany, it's called. This is when Jesus Christ came and appeared in the person, in a person, and in the Old Testament, Christ is appearing. And suddenly, the writer is starting to write, oh, this isn't just the angel of the Lord, this is the Lord. This is the Lord in, in, in person. And the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have, and save Israel out of Midian's hand, am I not sending you. Now just hold it there for a minute and go back. I love this where he says, go in the strength you have. And then, do you remember where he was? He was, in a, he was in a wine press doing, you know, hiding. And God says, you're a mighty warrior. Get up. Go in the strength you have. And so now Gideon starts to argue, but I, I think God wants to come to us tonight and say, don't wait till you're Helen Monk or Pastor Miro or somebody that you really, really respect. Start where you are. Start today with the strength you have. God is not belittling people who are starting with a small, small faith. He's saying, start there. Do something about that. Do something with that. Because I see your destiny. I see what you're destined for. And then he starts arguing with the angel of the Lord. He says, excuse me. He says, like, obviously this guy doesn't get it. <laughs> he says, but don't you know, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. And he puts his own label back on. Least. I'm the least. I'm nobody. God says, no, you're mighty warrior. No, I'm least. He's arguing, right? And then the Lord says, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. And the story goes on, that Gideon keeps arguing, and he says, he's beginning to figure out that this is no ordinary person walking by. And he says, you know, I think it might be you, God. So would you just wait here? I'm going to make you a meal. It's kind of a funny thing, I think, because it wasn't like you could go to McDonald's and buy fast food. He made a meal. And God says, I will wait. God says, I will wait while you make that meal. That's amazing to me, the graciousness of God in our situations where we say, okay, hold on a minute, God. I just need to do something for you. God says, okay, I can wait. And he's still there when he comes back. And he comes back and he says, now I want you to pour that meal out on the rock. I would be like, are you kidding me? That took four hours. I would have been like that. But he pours it out. And the, <laughs> the Lord just goes, burns it up. And then he disappears. And Gideon goes, oh, it was God. And then he says, obviously in prayer now, God is talking to him. He's saying, if that was really you, would you do something else for me? <laughs> he doesn't stop this Gideon. He is really convinced he's least. And, you know, God, God did that. That was really crazy. And then he just disappeared. But could he please make this sheepskin wet overnight? Because going in dry. But have you heard this story about the fleeces, Gideon's fleeces? And, and then in the morning, God does that. He says, okay, I can make your dry uh, sheepskin wet. Sure. And then he says, oh, excuse me, Lord. Could you do that one more time? But could you do it the other way around? Could you, I'm going to put out a wet fleece and I want you to make it dry. That seems even harder. And what's amazing to me and must be to you 
is that God does this. God does this. He says, I'll enter the dialogue. You want a dialogue? Okay. Let's dialogue as long as it takes for you to be convinced that it's me, supernatural, over here, wanting to use you, and I see that you're a mighty warrior. I don't know who needs to hear this, especially tonight. But here comes his freedom, Gideon's freedom. Freedom to go and be what he must have felt the stirrings to be. A mighty warrior, and he he is known to be a mighty warrior. But one last person I, I, I perceive in this whole thing is Jesus, who bows before the Father in the Garden of Gethsemane. And his reality is he's about to be beaten. He's about to be insulted. I don't know which is worse. He's about to be betrayed. You know, he's been betrayed. Or he's about to be betrayed, rather. And, and he's in the garden, and he's sweating like drops of blood, it says. And he says to his father, if it be your will, take this cup from me. This is destroying me, my reality, and I know what's about to happen. And then he says, it's like the Father was silent. We don't read what God the Father answered. And then he says, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And he was then freed to do what he needed to do for his destiny. He was not freed from something. He was freed to something to persevere. Thank you, worship team. Yes, please come up. Freedom from and freedom to endure, to accomplish what God's will is for you. And I've always loved the words in Hebrews 11 that talk about Moses, that he was persecuted, but he endured as seeing him who is invisible. (laughs) We have to keep our eyes on the supernatural God who says, come to me with whatever you've got, and we can do miracles together. Amen? Would you just stand, and I want the worship team to sing that song again that they sang earlier. And I just, I just really want you to listen to the Holy Spirit tonight. Let him put the, his finger on stuff for you. And if you feel comfortable, come on up and have someone pray with you. Even if you don't feel comfortable up here, I want you to stay and just digest what the Spirit is saying to you tonight. Just take some time now as we sing and think about this. And Father, I'm just praying that by your Holy Spirit, you will free people tonight here listening to this word from you. You will free them from their fear, from their anxiety, from their addictions. You will unlock things in their lives tonight. And Father, they will receive that new name from you, that they can go out as mighty warriors and do great things in your name. And I'm praying this all in in the precious name of Jesus. So let's just sing this song.